Hey family, this is Pastor Stefan with Activate Ministries, and thank you for tuning in to the Activate Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and ultimately gets you closer to where God wants you to be. So let's get into this message. I want to dive right in. First off, I want to recap last week, because last week we talked about um, the fact that we live in a different world. And we started off that service emphasizing how good God was, and it was based on what his original plan was for us. And we went and we looked at Genesis 1. We went all the way back to the beginning, because if you ever want to know the intention of something, go back to the beginning of it. You want to know the intention of God, go back to what happened in the beginning. And when it comes to what God did for us in the beginning, when we look back on it, his only intention for us was to experience everything that was good. When we look at what he did, he, he first off, the thing that he gave us in the beginning, he created, it, first off, it says, in the beginning, God created. So he was there when there was nothing. The earth was without form, without shape. There was darkness hovering across the deep, and that's when God began to create. He said, let there be light. He created the sun, the stars, the moon. He created the land, the seas. He created uh, man in his image. He created us in his image. That's the first thing he gave us as a gift, his image and his likeness, right? Then he, he put us in a place where we were in healthy companionship. He, he gave us uh, companionship and, and people to relate to. He said the first thing that, the first thing he said that was not good was that man should be alone. So he provided for us in that moment companionship. And in that companionship, we were able to be naked and unashamed. So vulnerability, we were able to just be who we are, who we were, were created to be, and not have a care in the world. This was his original intention. Then he made us oblivious to what was good and what was evil. Because when he put man in the garden, where he had everything that he needed, all of the fruits, all of the vegetables. He gave him an instruction and said, you can eat from any of these trees, any of the fruit, anything that you see here, you can eat from it, except from this one tree that was in the middle of the garden, and that tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So prior to eating from that tree, we had no knowledge of good and evil. And as, as I studied that and recapped that, that scripture, I thought back to a time when I just didn't have a care in the world. Do you remember a time in your life where you didn't have a care in the world, everything was just covered? I think back to when I was young. We didn't grow up with everything that we wanted, but as a child, I didn't have a care in the world. I was taken care of, I had food, I had shelter. I was good, right? I even, as a toddler, used to get a kick out of running around naked and unashamed. My mom would invite her friends over. First thing I'd do is take my diaper off. Well, hello, Sharon. Diaper off. Glad you could come by. This is what I did, right? Oh, well, hello, Laverne. Glad you could make it. Diaper off. Let's party. I had no shame. And now our son, Micah, likes to run around like that, just get naked and just run around. So he gets it honest. But back in those days, I had not a care in the world. 
And that's how God always intended it to be, for us to just be in his presence, under his covering, without a care in the world, right? And when I think back to the fact that Adam and Eve did not have the awareness of good and evil, they would have no reason to, to have their guard up when the serpent approached them. They had no reason to suspect that he had any ill intentions because they had no knowledge of evil. And so when I, when I think about that, then I'm like, well, how, how would they have known not to be vigilant and, and to protect themselves from the attempts and the attack of the enemy if they had no knowledge of evil? And then it goes back to the fact that God gave them an instruction. Had they obeyed God's instruction, they would have been protected from any attempts of the enemy. So it doesn't matter if they knew, if they were able to discern that he had ill intentions for them. Had they just stayed obedient to God's word, they would have been protected. And that word is for somebody here. You're not always going to know what the enemy is up to. You're not always going to know who's the shady person in your group. You're not always going to know who's plotting against you, who has ill will towards you. But you will always know God's word concerning your life. And as you obey God's word, that is the ultimate protection over anything that the enemy tries to throw your way. Amen? The Bible tells us in Isaiah that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That doesn't mean that no weapon will be formed. It means that as those weapons are formed against you, they will not prosper. And guess who that word is for? It's not for everybody. It's for God's chosen people of Israel who are obeying the covenant. So I say it all the time. God has a promise, but it's for specific people. For those that are obedient to me, says God, weapons that are formed against you shall not prosper. So the ultimate protection over your life is obedience to God's word. Amen? So then he gave us dominion over all life. And when it says all life, it's speaking to the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the beast, the, the cattle, the things that scurry along the earth. He gave us dominion over that. Then he gave us his blessing and his instruction. He said, fill the earth and subdue it. Put us in position to ultimately tend to the thing that he already blessed for us to continue to have eternal provision. That's the other thing he gave us. He gave us fruit and, and seed-bearing trees and plants that produced and reproduced on their own. All we had to do was tend to it. He had us doing light work. Light work. Right? And then he said, after you have your fruit and your vegetables, the grass and the remaining plants will be for the, for the animals. So we were set up in paradise. We were set up to live in perfect harmony. We were set up with everything we, we could ever want. We were naked. We were unashamed. Walking around, commando in the spirit, amen. We had everything we could possibly want. The, the, the environment was amazing. Uh, Eden was, was beautiful. It had gold and onyx and all these amazing things. It was the perfect setup. It was paradise. This was God's original intention. And so we highlighted the fact that God is good because in the world that we live in now, it isn't as beautiful as God's original intention. The world we live in now is the result of disobedience. Because God told Adam, if you eat from this tree, you are sure to die. So death wasn't even a part of the equation. 
We, we had glorified bodies and we were to spend eternity with God in this place of paradise. So death was not even a part of the equation. But as a result of, 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 of disobedience, sin became inherent in us. So sin is anything that opposes God. And we were born with sinful nature. So we were born inclined to rebel against God. That's why it's so hard for us to knock certain habits and so hard for us to not clap back when somebody talks crazy because we're inclined to respond from the flesh. We're inclined to not follow God's intention, right? Something else that came from, from, from this, um, we have a, a tendency to rebel against God and to operate from a place of moral wrongdoing. And so we talked about why bad things happen to good people if God is good, right? Because that's something that always comes up for people that don't believe. And I've, if you don't believe in God at this point, it's because you're, you're, you're focusing in on reasons not to and not really seeing the reasons to believe. You're zooming in on every reason not to, but not looking at the big picture as to why you should believe, because the evidence is everywhere. But to address this one question, why good things, why bad things happen to good people, it's the result of sin and that God created us to have free will. So when God created us in his image and in his likeness, he created us to be creative. God has the ability to speak a thing and it becomes. He has the ability to imagine a thing and then go back and produce it. He said, let there be light, and there was light, but he didn't create the sun and the moon until verses to follow. So just like you, you have the ability to envision a thing and then go out and get it. You have the ability to create a song and then go write it. You have the ability to create a script, create a show, and then have it produced. So God wanted us and wants us still to operate from this place of creativity because that is how he operates. Enter sin into the equation. Now you have people with the ability to create from an evil place. And so just like I can freely submit myself to my wife and leverage my free will to be faithful to her, I have a choice to leverage that same free will and go out and cheat. Now, I haven't done it and won't do it, amen? That's my main thing, my girl on the side, my midnight rendezvous, huh? Everything. But some people leverage their free will to do evil. And if God stepped in front of every person that had an intention to do evil, every time they went to do it, he would be compromising the integrity of his creation. So just like he didn't step in front of me when I wanted to do a whole bunch of things and I actually did those things in my past, he won't step in front of somebody that's trying to do a mass shooting. Not every time, because they have free will too. Now, he will not be mocked and you will harvest what you plant. So nobody's getting away with anything. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But for us, we have to understand that God is good because his original intention didn't include any of that. There was no killing. There was not even any death. There were no, you know, depression. There was no anxiety. There was no pain. There was no fear. 
There was no cancer. There was no autism. There was no any mental health issues. There was none of that. All we had was a perfect environment and to be in God's presence, and God was good. And God is good. And so what it boiled down to is once sin entered the equation, physical death came, a spiritual separation from God came because Adam and Eve went and hid themselves from him. And that's what the result of sin is now. Whenever we disobey God, we distance ourselves from him because of shame. And that's what happened then. Then a result of that was suffering. Women are going to have to suffer through painful childbirth. Men are going to have to go and get it out the mud, right? We got to grind. We got to work. And by the sweat of our brow, we're going to eat. When we had it easy, we had light work before. So the good news is, because in this church, we're always going to preach good news. Amen? That's what I'm called to do. I'm going to keep it real with you, but there's always good news. So the good news is, even from having to deal with the suffering that comes from sin and disobedience, even having to deal with broken relationships, right? Because Adam and Eve started beefing. God said, why did y'all eat the fruit? Adam said, hey, you sent me this girl. She did it. Eve said, nah, the serpent did it. So everybody's blaming everybody else. So now when, when, when we were created to be in perfect harmony, now everybody's blaming everyone and there's no accountability. And not only did we throw off relationships between human beings, because of disobedience and sin, we altered the entire system that God had set up. So the grass and the plants that the animals were supposed to eat, now animals are eating each other. I should be able to have a pet lion right now. But because we threw everything off, that thing will bite my leg off. We threw the whole system off. So all of humanity, all of creation is now in dysfunction because of sin. So it's not because God is sitting on the throne laughing at all of the bad things that are happening. No, sin entered the equation, and as a result, things are jacked up. Y'all with me? So now, the good news, even though Adam blew it, and he absolutely blew it, the first Adam, which is the one that God formed from the ground and made a living person, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. So God has a plan of redemption, even though Adam blew it. He's been working to redeem us and get us back to this place of paradise for which we were created. And you see it all throughout the Bible. He did it with Noah. He went back and made a covenant with Abraham. He did it again with Moses. He did it again with David. And finally, he fulfilled the redemptive plan of restoration through Jesus. So the good news is, because God's redemptive plan for humanity has been fulfilled in Jesus, when we receive Jesus, we receive new life. The Bible tells us that Christ is a life-giving spirit, so when we receive him, we receive new life, hence the term born again. So as born-again believers, as born-again Christians, as people that have decided to accept Christ and follow him, 
we have new life, and that's the beginning of how we navigate this different world that we're in. Accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, confessing with our mouth that he is Lord, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the very beginning of it, okay? Now from there, that was all a recap. I'm just warming up. That was all a recap. So today we're going to look at the book of Colossians, and we're going to start in chapter 3. This is just a continuation of last week's message. This is going to be a different world, part two. A different world, part two. So Colossians chapter 3, New Living Translation. So it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. We all got stuff lurking within us. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. Paul is talking to church people, right? I always like to remind you who he's talking to. He's not talking to heathens. He's talking to church people. He said, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Some translations read abusive language. Don't lie to each other. He's telling us how to conduct ourselves among the community, right? Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It's not enough to just learn. It's not enough to just read your Bible. It's about learning more about the creator and becoming more like him. Amen? Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, bar barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. We brought up slavery last week, too. That's a big thing that comes up with people that want to claim to not want to follow Christianity. I can't follow something that condones slavery. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's God's original intention. If God did not say, let there be, it was not his intention. 
everything that came after Genesis 2 is the result of sin and death. So God created us to have dominion over life, but I, as I said, that life is the fish, the birds, the animals, the sea creatures, the things that scurry along the earth. He didn't create us to have dominion over people. Man's heart and hatred and evil did that. Oppression was not God's plan. Harmony was. God is good. Say God is good. All right. So, verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Hmm. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Don't just watch my wife sing it. Sing it together with thankful hearts, right? Collectively. Verse 17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And that word is good to me. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even the things that are tough to hear, that they are here for us to become better and become more like you and to become who you have created us to be. So, Lord, I pray that something spoken from this morning will resonate with everyone under the sound of my voice. You know exactly where they are. You know exactly what they need. You know exactly where they are, where it hurts, and you're the only one that can solve what it is that they need solved. You're the only one that can heal what they need to be healed. So, Lord, have your way. I pray that your anointing flows because it is your anointing that breaks the yoke. Diminish me that you might be magnified, Lord God, and I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're living in a different world. And Paul gives us very specific instructions as to how we are to navigate this world. Okay? The first thing he says is to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. How do we do that? Because this is where we are, right? Never seen heaven. How do I look towards heaven? And what he's saying is, because he gives us some examples. He said, this is a place where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then he says, you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
So even though we're operating in this life, this life is dead to us. Our real life is hidden in Christ with God. So as a believer, the life that really matters is hidden in Christ. I've submitted and surrendered my life to Christ, so therefore I already have a place of victory. This hit me differently in the last year because this life can be trash at times. This life can suck at times. And if we focus only on the things that we're going through in this life, there's nothing to be hopeful for. If anything, we're hopeful for us getting just on the other side of this struggle. Whew, I'm glad that bill got paid. Glad I didn't get evicted. Man, I'm glad that that thing happened. I'm glad I didn't lose that job. Whew, the layoffs missed me this time. I'm glad I got another day, another day, another dollar, right? We're always thinking short term when we're focusing on this life. And what Paul is saying is to rise up a little bit. It's not about this life. You died to this life. British gave us an example recently. And because she shared it publicly, I can share it now. She was talking about a therapy session where the, the therapist said, if you find yourself being anxious and you find yourself, you know, uh, depressed, envision yourself outside of yourself and then continue to scale out above the building, above the city, above the nation. And the wider your view becomes, the less pressure you feel. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying that in this life, as we focus on our problems, we're too zoomed in. And when you're zoomed in on your problem, every problem is a giant. When you're zoomed in on it, Every obstacle is a giant. So Paul is saying, zoom out. This life is but a vapor. Zoom out. Right now, this life is all you know, but zoom out. Level up a little bit. Your real life is hidden in Christ. So I got a breakthrough, personally, as I was prepping for this message. Right? I got three boys. One of them is on the spectrum. And my wife and I oftentimes find ourselves zoomed in on the thing that we're trying to get him through now. Oh, God, we just want him to sleep through the night. That's the thing. Oh, God, now we got to stay and, and post up outside of his door so he doesn't go out and, and start rummaging through the kitchen. That's the thing. Okay, cool. That's, that's good. Next thing, we got to get him to start going to the bathroom consistently because we're, we're tired of, of this thing. And then when, when that happens, whew, okay, God, we're out of that. What's next? Okay, now we want him to talk. Right? We believe in God that he's going to talk. We believe in God he's going to be able to fend for himself. He's going to go to college and drive and all this stuff. And then I'm like, yo, zoom out. If my kid never talks, God is good. I'm 40 years old. That means I've probably lived at least a third of my life. If I make it to 120, which is the maximum age according to scripture, I'm going to die at 120 years old and I've already lived a third of my life. I have two-thirds left. I have 80 years left. So if I spend the next 80 years, oh my God, are you going to talk? Are you going to do this? What's happening? I am rotting my life away, worried about something that's not even a giant. This life is a vapor. 80 years compared to eternity is nothing. So when I look at life 
the way the word is instructing me to, I'm not looking and worried about this life. I'm focusing on what is promised. If I don't talk to my son at all for the next 80 years, I get to talk to him for eternity in heaven. If I'm struggling with something for a few years here, there's going to be no struggle with that thing in heaven. And so when we have a heavenly mindset, if we really call ourselves believers, if we really do believe that this life is a vapor, then we have to embrace the realities of heaven as Paul is instructing us to. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, I don't care what it is, that thing does not exist in heaven. There is no pain. There is no depression. There is no heartache. There is no stress. There is no anxiety. There is no addiction. There is no mental illness. There is no heart attacks and hypertension. There is none of this stuff that tends to keep us bogged down while we're here. So as believers, as those that have embraced new life and have already received it, let's raise our gaze. When you do that, something breaks off of you and you, you just feel a lot more freedom. You deal with that hardship, and it's not telling you to ignore the realities of this life. You're just looking at them from a godly perspective. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to shift your paradigm so that you're seeing it from his perspective and you're zooming out from your limited perspective. Amen? The next thing he tells us to do is to have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Y'all notice that Paul was always talking to the freaks? <laughs> Even in the early church, they were getting it in from Corinth to Ephesus to the Roman church. Everybody is freaky dicky. Fasting on Thursday, freaking on Friday. And so Paul is like, hey, have nothing to do with this. And I like to emphasize that he's talking to church people because church folks always try to talk to people outside the church. Nah, fam, Paul was talking to you. You freaky. <laughs> so he said, have nothing to do with it. And we have to die to it. And I think he continued to emphasize this because this is probably the thing that we struggle with the most, if we're honest. Right? I wasn't a virgin before I met my wife. Neither was she when she met me. Now, by the grace of God, we walked the path of celibacy towards marriage. And by the grace of God, we were successful in doing that. And by the grace of God, we have a healthy connection now, amen. Sundays are our best days. <laughs> but Paul is saying, do everything you can to die to that thing. In other scriptures, he tells us that no other sin directly impacts the body more than that. So he says, have nothing to do with it. Don't even play around with it. If you got to stop watching certain things, stop watching it. If you got to stop listening to certain things, stop listening to it. If you got to stop hanging out with certain people, stop hanging out with them. Have nothing to do with it. And I know it's possible because I made the transition. I had the transformation occur, and I could not do it without the presence of God constantly in my life. I had to die to the old things. I had to die to the clubs that I was going to. I had to die to the drinking every other day, every day like I used to. Yeah, I had to die to answering phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning. I had to die to responding, are you up with yes, I am, 
I had to die to that stuff. And if I die to the way I respond to it, then the next thing that happens is I die to the thing. The next thing he says is get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and abusive language. Some of you are harboring anger. And some of you are justified to be angry. But scripture tells us to be angry, but sin not. We're not supposed to harbor anger, unforgiveness, right? We're not supposed to carry this rage and, and be always thinking about how we're going to respond and how we're going to get back at somebody. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're not supposed to be talking about people, slandering people, gossiping, right? We're not supposed to be doing that. He's saying get rid of that. Get rid of the, the, the way you talk to and about people. Change your language. Okay? We're new. We have new life, which means we have new language. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. So this is an external thing. If you're putting on a new nature, that thing should be noticeable. A lot of us want to be saved in silence. I ain't really changed. I'm still the same dude. I'm still out here in these streets popping. But your new nature is something that you put on, which means it's something that people should be able to recognize. You put it on. And you are becoming renewed as you learn to know your creator. How do you learn to know your creator? By spending time with him. By getting in your word. If anybody needs a physical Bible, we got some in the truck. Anybody need a Bible? New Living Translation? It's nice too. Leather? Everybody got a Bible? Okay. Get in that thing. Because the Bible is the only book on planet Earth that is still alive. My wife has been on me about writing a book for the last nine years. And I had started writing it, but you guys, you know I'm very transparent. And you know I have a very ratchet past. And so some things I had written in that book, it's like, wait a minute, I'm not sure if this needs to get out. Especially considering things that have happened to other men in powerful positions from their past. I said, let me go back and uh, rewrite some of this stuff, right? Because once we write something, it's there. Doesn't change. It is there. The word of God is Holy Spirit inspired, which means it's alive. Every time you read it, it communicates something different to you. I've been reading the Bible since I was forced to do so at Quonky Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina when I was eight years old. Shouts out to QBC. But when I go back and I read some of those same verses now, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you would not perish but have everlasting life. That thing has a different meaning now. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. When I read that now, 
as I'm battling certain things, I'm up against certain things, I have a different understanding of it. So the word of God will meet you where you are in the moment that you're in and provide revelation, insight, wisdom, direction, strategy for that moment. So tap into the word. Another way you get to know him is by getting around other people that know him. That's why I'm really big on cultivating a healthy place of community here at Activate. Because as you get around other people that know him and that are pursuing him, the conversations become more inspiring and encouraging. And now you have people praying for you and praying with you, right? Some people will speak a word to you because the Holy Spirit is operating in them. And then you know it to be true from God because he's already communicated something to you in that same space. So now you're getting more excited as you engage with other believers because the spirit is in them and the spirit is in you. And now you're connecting on different levels. It's a way that we continue to get to know the creator. And as we do that, we become more like him. When we realize how much he loves us, we start loving more on other people. When we realize that he's forgiven us for some of the crazy things that we've done, we don't look so judgmentally at somebody that did something crazy to us. Amen? We can forgive them because he forgave us. So put it on. Get to know the creator. Become more like him. And then it says, above all. Say above all. Clothe yourselves in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's like five things in one. Can you just give me one, Paul? I have to be merciful, kind, humble, gentle, and patient? Have you ever been married to a Puerto Rican wife, Paul? <laughs> patient? And so it's reminding us that we have to die daily. We did an exercise on Wednesday. Shouts out to Kino and Ebony. Uh, they did an exercise with us on Wednesday. It was uh, going through... Uh, 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, it does not keep record of wrong. And we had them judge each other, score each other rather, on how well they exemplified love in a certain area. And that exercise, um, you know, some were good, some were strong suits, some were areas of opportunity, which is going to be the case with all of us, right? It just reminds us that we're always going to have something to work towards and that we need Jesus, we need Jesus. I don't know if y'all ever had, like, your kid pop off at you in a certain way and your flesh wants to respond a certain way. You'd be like, Jesus, take the wheel. I didn't grab my kid's ankle so fast. I'm like, huh? Jesus? He's like, drop the kid. <sighs> All right. You better thank God for Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus, there's no way that our flesh, which is inclined to evil, is going to willfully be patient and kind and merciful. We need Jesus. Amen. And when we accept and submit our lives to Jesus, Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit operates in us. So we're not the ones that have to do this. We tap into the spirit. Right. And the fruits of the spirit. Gentleness faithfulness, kindness, right? Self-control, that's the spirit. You catch me when I'm not in the spirit, then we're going to have a problem. But when I'm operating in the spirit and I have surrendered my life, 
because I'm dead to this life. I've embraced the next life. I've accepted Christ. Now I'm operating from a power that I don't have to really control. This is the spirit of God operating in me. So clothe yourself in that tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The only way we do that is by allowing the spirit of God to operate through us. Make allowance for each other's faults. People are going to do some things that tick you off. People are going to do some things that you do not enjoy. People are going to treat you a certain way that is not always favorable. Make allowances for that. We're not perfect. Understand that we're human. And somebody might not be operating in the spirit when they flick you off in traffic. Make allowances for that. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Not unforgiveness, not anger, not malice. Let the peace that comes from Christ. As we open ourselves up and receive Christ, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is what I need to be operating from at all times because my peace is finicky. My peace is dependent upon what mood I'm in, if it's Sunday or not. It depends on how things have been working in my life, but the peace of God is consistent. So I need to remain tapped into that. Almost done. Then it says, I'm going to skip down to the last one. Because he literally gave us 15 things to do. 15 things. All you have to do is these 15 things. And in one of those, there are five steps in it. It's like, goodness gracious. It goes to show that being a follower and a believer in Jesus is not easy. Right? But as we pan out and we zoom out, we realize it's worth it because this life is a vapor. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Who do you represent? When I don't see you in a church environment and you're just out having a conversation with the waiter, the waitress, the cashier, the lady at the grocery store, the man at the, 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 the thing, how are you conducting yourself? Can I look at you and say, oh, that's a believer in Jesus right there? Just by how they're treating people around them. Oh, that's a believer in Christ. It should be obvious because a lot of these things that he's telling us to do, clothe yourself in these things. It should be obvious that you are a follower of Christ when people encounter you. That's what he's saying. Put it on. We like to put on everything else, right? You put on your Balenciaga, your Louis, your, your Calvin Klein for some of you, some whatever it is, Polo, Ralph Lauren. It's obvious that you value fashion. But are you putting on tenderhearted mercy? Can I see that? Or do I just see all your logos? So many stuff gets confusing. It's all logos. It's like, whoa. <laughs> do I see Jesus when I look at you? This is what people should see when they look at you. Amen? So that's how we navigate this world, family. That's how we navigate in the dark, which is what this world is. 
We navigate it daily. We do it with intentionality. We do it surrendered to God, submitted to his word. We do it individually because some of this stuff you have to go to Jesus on your own. But also collectively as a body. Healthy community. And at the end of the day, we do it understanding that our real life is already sealed, is hidden in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast. We pray that this message has blessed you. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and visit our website at activateministries.org to find out more ways on how you can partner with us. Any prayer requests, testimonies, or just to say hello, email info at activateministries.org. Let's activate.